Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon. Let's talk about games. This week, we will be talking about The Division's newest season, Madden Innovating, Mass Effect's original endings, and much more. A few things before we get into the show. Subscribe to the show on your platform of choice and please leave a review. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, and leave a comment below even if it's just for the algorithm. Please join the show's Discord by clicking on the link in the description of the podcast or the video to discuss this show as well as ask questions for next week. Gaming news, let's jump into it. So we have the Division 2 had its season nine manhunt uh, essentially end now technically, which is always my favorite word. There is still um, a few weeks left in the season. There's still a whole nother apparel event that starts on August 9th. Um, but for all intents and purposes, the manhunt, the story that goes along with the, each season um, is, is finished. So I'm going to be straight up. I'm going to go into spoilers for this whole division segment. If you don't want to hear them, you haven't finished it yet. Totally understandable. I would suggest not uh, listening to this segment and skipping ahead a little bit. So um, really interesting. I did not expect them um, to have such a kind of legitimately cool um, story moment here, right? Um this whole the beginning of the season honestly i was like okay whatever like it honestly felt kind of lame i didn't understand why i should care and i really kind of didn't there were the comms that you would get after defeating each lieutenant the four lieutenants before you get to the final manhunt that there were like interesting things happening right there was interesting information uh coming to light and so um, you know, that was interesting. I was curious to learn more. And then we um, get to the the finale where we, uh, you know, from the first four seasons, you assume that we're going to go to this mission and kill uh, Captain or Commander or whatever, Lewis. And instead, he's friendly and he helps us. And not only that, but this kind of ongoing thread of this, you know, we're getting a little bit more information about the hunters uh, and, and, and who they're affiliated with, who's in charge of them. And we, uh, you know, have this hunter who's presumably watching us, but is there to watch one of the Black Tusk soldiers, Bonnie, who we know from the beginning, you know, from when the, when the game released, right? Uh, he's sizing him up to see if he can be a hunter or not. And, um, and then we have this crazy final fight in that mission, which was awesome. And, um, and it was great. And then we have a cut scene at the end of a season, which is, we didn't get that with the first four, um, lays a bunch of groundwork for, uh, Schaefer's role moving forward. And it gives us 
um, you know, a little bit of information about what Faye was doing about, you know, this, this greater plan. Right. And, um, yeah, so I was honestly really surprised and very pleasantly surprised. Um, I think what they're setting up, um, so this is like ultimate spoilers. So we know this McManus guy, he's interacting with Sokolova, who she is the head of Black Tusk. We know that Black Tusk and Hunters are interacting because of the Schaefer mission, um, where we fight one that seems like he's working with Schaefer. Then we find out that this McManus guy is the Secretary of Homeland Security, or was when the United States was still one government, right? And uh, he seems to be in control of this group. And, um, you know, we're, 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 we're kind of trying to, to trying to piece this together. And, um, we are, you know, we find out that, you know, he's the one who's like dispatching this hunter to kind of check out Bonnie and see if he's, you know, worthy of being a hunter. We're seeing, um, you know, it's it's just it's interesting. Um, something I pointed out on Twitter today is to keep in mind that um, the secret the the Secretary of Homeland uh, of Homeland Security is the 18th person in the secession uh, line from the president, um, and so there has to be some acknowledgement that we know that at least a good chunk of the 17 people ahead of McManus are dead, um, including the president, the vice president, now the, uh, you know, chicken hawk and, and you know, all these people. And so I think they're setting up a very real possibility that this guy who is in charge of the hunters uh, could end up being in the line of secession, which people need to remember that the shade agency is controlled by the president. And my guess is that the shade tech or, you know, the whole infrastructure automatically goes down the line of secession to who's, you know, to find out who's in control to who, who the president currently technically is and whoever that ends up being will be in charge of the division, uh, the, the, you know, homeland, you know, the homeland defense thing. So, um, with the strategic homeland defense, I'm, uh, can't remember a division yeah strategic homeland division and um what i think is interesting about that is it could set up a situation where maybe we are searching for someone ahead of mcmanus um you know so that they are assigned the president uh, instead of him because he will end up destroying the division i always had um theories that um the 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 president who died you know, who Fei Lao killed um had the ability to activate the rest of the agents available because we know there's a first wave second wave but we know there's more we know there's more division agents but they've never been activated and my guess is that the last president before he died was in cahoots with the black tusk who were probably telling him do not activate the rest of those agents and so he never did and so now, um, you know, because one of the lieutenants in the last manhunt and phase manhunt was a division agent that was never activated. 
And so you have all of these agents who have the training, but they, uh, their shade, you know, tech was never activated because they weren't activated. And so I think this is all culminating in trying to get a leader, uh, to be designated the president who can activate the rest of the agents, uh, and hope that they can get a little more backup and, uh, and, and trying to keep McManus from becoming the president. Um, you know, at the end of the season now, we know that we know uh, Schaefer seems to be the key to everything. Schaefer intentionally got caught by us at Coney Island. Um, and Schaefer and Faye and there were people all kind of collaborating uh, and counting on like Kelso to continue being the good guy. Um, which everyone who hates Kelso, I'm glad that they're sucking at right now because Kelso is being made out to be like the hero, basically, even more so than our character. And... Um, and I'm excited to see what where they go with it. I, I'm not going to act like the actual season itself is like the most exciting thing in the world. It's fine. It's been fun jumping back in and playing a little bit. I've mostly just jumped in and played the manhunt missions. I am going to try to grind to a hundred and make sure I get all my rewards. Um, but I, I will say that, I mean, I think they succeeded pretty handily from the lore and story side of things, which is exciting for me to see them really putting some, some focus on, um, I mean, we got a cinematic. I can't think of the last time we got a cinematic with, you know. Uh, I mean, Warlords had a couple. Uh, after you beat the main, like, 1 to 30 in the original game in Division 2, you got, like, a, a cut scene out, you know, shooting off the fireworks and then showing the Black Tusk invading, you know, DC. And so, um, I don't know. I, I think it's great. I, I'm, I was really impressed, um, from like a storytelling perspective with the end of the season. Um, and it has me genuinely excited for the next one. Um, now we're going to have to wait and see, uh, who, who the next target will be and, and how they're going to play that out. But I am, uh, I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. So, uh, you know, good, good for them. Um, for the next season, obviously, I, I assume we're going to wake up Schaefer. Uh, I hope that maybe uh, Vitaly, what's-his-face, Trenenko, uh, <laughs> exists again and we can figure out what the whole deal was with this bioreactor. I, I think they were alluding to this. I, I need to almost go back and watch that footage again of the cutscene and stuff because my assumption is that Schaefer is the key to something to do with that bioreactor and all of that stuff that you know we took from the Pentagon two years ago. And um, then we got Chernenko to use it, and then nothing has happened. In theory, we're supposed to be putting out these broad-spectrum antivirals that will, you know, take care of this virus for everyone who's left. But, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the next story here um, is Madden 23 um, had a big video that came out uh, and talked about the updates they have to their franchise mode, which is cool because most of their focus for years now has been on the goofy, you know, uh, essentially the uh, the FIFA Ultimate Team, uh, the Madden version of that. Um, I I tried checked it out for like five minutes and that's not my thing. I, I won't play as the real teams playing against the real teams playing in the regular season, the playoffs and all that. Well, they're adding a bunch of new mechanics and stuff to like their free agent system and like player motivations and how players uh, will like the AI will pick what players, like what teams they'll go to at the end of their contracts or even cut their contracts off based on, do they want to make money? Do there, there was one stat where, 
uh, a player can have a focus on not paying income taxes. Therefore, if teams are in what well, it's like Texas, Florida, and a few other states, well, um, it'll be easier for them to recruit that free agent uh, because of their status in their state, which is a real thing that there are players that that happens. And um, the thing that I don't, I don't really care about Madden. I, 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 the NFL is my preferred football, um, but actually playing Madden, it's been years since I've really gotten into it. What I will say is that they announced that in 2024 um, or 2023, it'll be called 24. Um, the college football game is coming back. And what I'm like 99.9% sure of is that these, uh, these systems that they're previewing right now is pretty much guaranteed to be a big factor in the recruiting and all of that, that you're going to do in like the dynasty mode, uh, in the college football game. Um, for me, the college football game is, um, very like dear to me. Um, uh, I think NCAA college football, EA. 2006 is like a game I will, I'll remember the rest of my life. And here's what was unique about it is it was a college football game, which is like, you know, okay, meathead, dumb, Madden clone, whatever it wasn't though. Um, it was essentially a big RPG and even modern Madden is essentially an RPG. Now, most RPG enjoyers will never acknowledge this or, or check it out because they don't care about football. That's fine. But it really is an RPG. You're, you've got player stats. You've got, you know, you can do things to make them happy, make them sad. That changes their performance. You know, you can try to take a not very good player and boost them up by using them and giving them experience and stuff like that. And that's definitely going to play big over into the college football game that's going to be coming. And all these systems, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be hard. But if they can try to recapture that magic of 06 and part of why the 06 was such a big deal is from 05 and before and 07 and after they always did um the soundtracks were always just uh the fight songs for the schools uh, their bands playing 06 had this crazy like ska and like alt rock and like literally a bunch of the music that i still love today i originally heard on uh, ncaa college football 2006 it had this incredible soundtrack that even today, I think most people would listen to it and be like, oh my God, this is a banger. Like, this is amazing. And it was. And it made playing that game so fun because, you know, you would hear the fight songs and stuff during the games when you're playing the games. But while you're in the menus and recruiting high school players and, and doing all this stuff, you'd be hearing this like incredible soundtrack. And so I would really love for them to do something like that uh, with this next game. But We'll have to wait and see. Uh, there was a AMA on Reddit from a former um, uh, Mass Effect writer. Um, so it's the guy who, of course, I can't remember uh, the name off the top of my head. I was trying to look at the books, but they're too far away. I can't read them. Um, but he, he was the one who wrote the books in the, in the first two games. And... Um, it was really interesting that there was uh, there was a bunch of interesting questions, but the the main one I found interesting was uh, people ask him about like the ending of three, and he had, he kind of left a tidbit of like, well, you know, he left before three, so he didn't write it, 
Um, and, but what he was explaining, was like, well, you know, I had this idea of the whole, um, we, we weren't really actually, uh, the, the idea was going to be to destroy the relays while the Reapers were mid relay travel to try to basically trap them like in wherever you go in the relays or, or to like, you know, to, to basically destroy them that way. And that there was going to be this really clear cut ending that would have all of the choices you made like matter, but it was going to be much more of a set ending to allow a fourth game to be made eventually. Um, and that's not what happened, right? We, we got these original endings that people were really unsatisfied with because, you know, there were these three choices and really none of the choices were that great. And, um, and then, you know, they, they did the extended cut and it made it better. It didn't make your choices matter some more, but now we know there's a fourth game being made or a fifth game. If you count Andromeda as the fourth, I don't get over it nerds. Um, but there, um, there, there's this big debate going on within the, the, you know, mass effect community and stuff about like, you know, what, what they're gonna do because, you know, basically depending on whatever ending you prefer, uh, we're kind of waiting to find out, like, are they going to set a canon ending? Um, that's my preference. I think they should pick a canon ending, go all in on it and respect that ending every bit that they can and, and, and include all of the possible choices a player could have made in the trilogy that they can like funnel it down to one ending and then let it expand again. Because my issue is that, um, if they try to make this next game, and this is probably why, you know, this, this writer was saying that they, they needed to kind of funnel the game down to an ending that allowed your choices to matter, but still, you know, kind of narrowed the story back down to let it re-expand. Because the problem is, is at the end of Mass Effect 3, there's so many romances. There's these three different choices. There's a good and a bad version of each of those choices. There's all of these smaller things like the Rachni and the Krogan and, you know, and, and the Geth and the Corians and all of these choices you've made through the game that if they try to make this next game include all three possible ending choices and all of the sub choices within that, um, they're going to be starting with a football field wide story and then having to expand it where I think the, the most light, the best chance this next game has to be good is if they narrow it down to a fairly small point where, where there can be some variables in there. And then they allow this next game to really expand it all back out again. Um, I just don't think that, you know, it's possible for them to make a game that respects all the endings appropriately. And I think the thing that drives me the craziest is I, I hear a lot of people say like, well, you know, they should just do a big like time skip, like uh, 500 years or a thousand years. Um, and then essentially like hand wave the endings. So, you know, you can say what ending you picked and then, you know, when the game is going, there'll be like references to you, the ending you picked and the choices you made, but it won't really affect the next game. And I would argue, and I've argued multiple times and I will continue arguing that I think diluting the next game in the way it handles the trilogy 
by just hand waving whatever ending you picked and just being like, eh, yeah, it didn't matter is way more disrespectful to all of the players than picking one ending. In my opinion, it should be destroy high EMS destroy and, and there, and, and just go all in on that ending, do as many of the variables as they can. I suspect the Krogan thing has to get canonized. I, I have a hard time believing they can make the next game uh, account for the Krogan not being cured or being cured. Um, the Rachni, I think, is more likely that they can allow us to pick what happened. The Corian and Geth, I have to imagine they're going to have to pick an ending there. And I think the most recent teaser uh, told us that that's the thing because we see a bunch of dead Geth and in my opinion is implied pretty heavily that, you know, destroy is going to be the canon ending, but I don't know. No one knows. And, um, I, I think the original idea uh, you can find, if you just type in mass effect three or mass effect writer, Reddit AMA, I'm sure you'll find those articles, um, in the actual post itself. It's an interesting read. He talks like 90% about other stuff. Um, I was going to make a video, about some of his responses, but honestly, there was nothing that juicy other than this, uh, this ending thing. So I'm really curious, uh, to what they're going to do. They have this Mary DeMarley, um, you know, on, on their narrative lead, their narrative director. Now, I think, you know, someone that experienced in these kind of games, uh, gives them the best chance they can probably get. Um, uh, I actually should have a video coming soon. If you're curious about where mass effect, the next one is going, um, I've been kind of keeping track of their hiring and their job listings. And I took a peek today and there's some pretty significant big updates. So I'll be doing a big video. Um, uh, well, a short video, but a significant video, um, probably right after this podcast. So I bet it will be posted this weekend. So if you're curious, check that out. The next story is skate skate four is going to be free to play. Um, this was announced or leaked or something today. Um, they're changing the name to skate, just keeping it that way. And they're making it a live service free to play game. So it's, it's weird. It's so funny. The reaction to this, because you know, there's still a lot of anti EA sentiment and stuff like that. I think a lot of it earned, maybe some of it isn't that's up to you. Um, but I think after they've had a game like Apex and they've allowed games like Jedi Fallen Order to come out and that they, you know, that Dreadwolf and in the next Mass Effect is coming from Bioware and presumably other story games are coming, uh, the Dead Space remake and so on. It like it's one of these things where I can tell that people are like kind of cautiously optimistic. Like if there's a franchise that could transition to this free to play live service thing really well, it would be like a skateboarding game, especially, you know, one as legendary as uh skate. And so I, I've I've seen kind of like a hesitant um like like kind of looking at it like, okay, okay, like we see, we see where you're going. Let's just see how this, you know, how this turns out. Um, and I'm curious as well. I, I, I think it will be fine. I, I think it'll be really good, um, for them. I, um, that there's kind of a big story going on right now about apparently there's a leaked build of skate out right now. And, um, you can, I guess you can 
download it and play it. And they're saying like, please don't, this is not representative. This is a, you know, I think it's probably like a pre alpha build. It's like, please don't, this isn't representative of our game. And the reason they're probably freaking out is one, it's a bad look because uh, the game probably doesn't look great Two, There's almost certainly stuff in the game files that people are going to dig through and they're going to find out a bunch of stuff about things like, Things that were planned that they're not going to do that got cut. Uh, that's always a big contentious thing for gamers um, when they find out that they were supposed to get content and now they won't. Um, even if they don't understand that maybe it just didn't work or it was or it didn't fit their vision. It was just a prototype, whatever. So um, I'm not a huge skate fan, but I am at least curious about what's going on. Um, I don't know when this is supposed to come because the footage they've shown us so far seems like it's pretty early. Um, so I'm assuming probably next year uh, is is way more likely than this year. I, I believe they've said 2023, but right now and these days, it's it's hard to tell. It's hard to know when anything's coming. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, Assassin's Creed. So there's been rumors uh, every single time there's a new Assassin's Creed. There's a rumor that uh, it's going to be a Japan feudal Japan every single time. It's always so funny. Um, and, and then uh, the funny thing was, is that when Division 2 came out, a lot of rumors started that uh, Valhalla was going to happen, that there was going to be a Nordic or a Viking Assassin's Creed because uh, there is uh, some art in the Division 2 you can find that references, I believe, Assassin's Creed or references like the the, the Apple of Eden or whatever um, and like Norse, like mythology or, or, or Vikings or something. So, um, you know, I, I think that they kind of play with uh, everyone a little bit, but this newest rumor is that the next Assassin's Creed is actually going to take place in Baghdad in the Middle East, um, you know, obviously historical. Um, which could be really interesting. I, I, I don't, you know, th there's a lot of rumors that there's basically this live service Assassin's Creed game being made that's going to be like more of the RPG, like the Odyssey and the Valhalla style, but that they're also going to try to make these other games. Um, sorry, I'm trying not to yawn. So if you're watching the video, I just made a weird face. If you're listening to the podcast, you just heard me pause. So that's what happened. Um, it sounds like they're going to try to do this live service RPG ish game looter game and do these other games that are going to be more throwbacks to the old Assassin's Creed, which is probably the, the best for everyone because obviously Odyssey and Valhalla have been insanely successful. Um, even if I don't like them, I think that they're bloated, boring, sloggy messes of games but man i liked odyssey but it was too long valhalla i never even got out of their the the prologue basically i thought it was so boring and the combat i did not like it i hate the graphics were terrible i think it was more buggy because it was an early it was early right after it was released i wasn't impressed i thought it seemed very not good to me and so i'm very much looking forward to like a more traditional assassin's creed where obviously 
these millions of people who buy Valhalla and Odyssey want that. So it seems like they're going to try to serve both um, sides. Obviously, everyone wants the game eventually to go to like Japan and do like feudal Japan, which would be really cool. Um, I think going to the Middle East sounds great. I think that'd be a, a cool thing to do to kind of probably go re-explore some old places that we've been earlier in the franchise. I'm down. Let's do it. More Assassin's Creed. Let's actually be assassins. That's been my beef with Valhalla and Odyssey. Is like I get it. Like, and they try to explain it, but I don't know. I'm good. <laughs> um, and that's what I have for the stories. This is kind of a light week. Um, I will move to some listener questions. If you have a topic or a story or a question that you want me to cover or answer on next week's episode, be sure to jump into my discord and post it in the questions and topics room. Uh, Master Prime did that this week and asked a couple questions. First one was after your interview with Yannick, has your perspective on anything changed? Um, so uh, I will get into it more after these questions, but I interviewed the creative director of the, of the division two. Uh, we talked a whole bunch about the game and what's going on and how it got to where it is and stuff like that. Um, very informative. I thought it was really interesting. I feel more excited about the franchise than I have in a long time after speaking with Yannick and especially after the way season nine ended, I'm, I'm in, you know, but yeah, my perspective has definitely changed a lot. Um, I, they had been communicating kind of vaguely, but somewhat clearly that like they have a pretty small team. It sounds like, I think a lot of us thought like, okay, they're going to have this small team at massive. And then this huge Bucharest team is going to be helping them with all the heavy work. And I don't think that doesn't seem like what's going on. I, I think they're using these support studios to complete specific tasks. So like we know, uh, or at least I think they've said that Bucharest did a lot of um, countdown and, um, but they, they, that's what they did. And they didn't like, they, I thought they were going to be like the muscle of all of the development, but it sounds like there's a small, but very motivated group at massive doing a bunch of this work still. Um, and, and for that, I commend them. That's impressive. Um, is it perfect? It's absolutely not perfect, but it's pretty dang good. Um, and so, yeah, I think my, my expectations and my appreciation for what they're accomplishing has definitely changed a lot. Um, there's still some issues with the game that I think are kind of inexcusable. Um, and the thing is, what you'll find is that if there's things about the division two that you think are inexcusable, that they should have fixed a long time ago, um, that you think is un, uh, you know, just not okay. It kind of sounds like they agree. <laughs> The impression I'm getting is that um, they they know there's significant issues, um, but what they're running into is that there's some issues that have basically been there since the start, and even though they have so much less horsepower development-wise, they are having to figure out some of these issues, like completely rewriting like whole nodes in the game. Um, so things like the uh, the trap that people are having an issue with in PVP, um, that the system in the game engine that handles that probably has to be rewritten from scratch completely. And that's challenging when you have a whole three or 400 people working on a game or more thousands at the peak 
it's especially challenging when you have a couple dozen people working on it. Um, and to the point where I guess they literally have to like try to coax some of the people back from like the star Wars project or other projects just to help them with some issue they found in, in division two that the person worked on four years ago. Right. And so it sounds like it's been interesting there. My perspective has changed a lot. My appreciation for what's going on is definitely much higher. And, um, and I hope people listen to that interview and maybe are changed as well. Uh, and master prime also asked, is EA changing for the good or is it just PR? So that's a tough one, honestly, because they're doing a bunch of stuff for the most part that seems like they're moving in a good direction, right? It started with games like that, um, like that Star Wars flying game, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, um, them, you know, announcing their remake in Dead Space and they have Dreadwolf coming out and they have, you know, another Mass Effect game coming out and that they are kind of reopening uh, this window to single player games again, uh, that there's a uh, an Apex slash Titanfall single player game coming at some point, um, you know, so those kind of things make you think like, OK, maybe they're relaxing a little bit. Um, and then they do things like send that stupid tweet about single player games and it kind of like, oh, what are you doing? Um, I think that they are getting better and it's PR. Um, a lot of the people who were in charge when they were being demonized pretty heavily are still there. Um, and so, you know, an old dog doesn't learn new tricks, you know, is kind of the saying I will throw out for this. Um, situation. I have hope that by them letting their studios, you know, chase these projects that um, they know will be successful. Like I saw, um, I think it was Jeff Grubb saying that, you know, EA is relaxing and allowing these studios to make these single player games, but they're expecting each one of these games to sell at least 10 million copies. Uh, and if you didn't know, like a game like The Last of Us 2, which is on one platform, Obviously, that affects this, um, but only just crossed 10 million sales, even though that game was wildly popular and successful and sold tons of copies. Now, obviously, a multi-platform game is going to have more of an audience and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like when the next Fallen Order game comes out, they expect it to sell 10 million. When Dreadwolf comes out, they expect it to do that. When the next Mass Effect comes out, they'll expect it to do that. So, you know, it, it seems like a uneasy uh, change for the good, but it seems like, um, they would probably be willing to, to cut and, and run if they have to. Um, one example is it sounds like maybe, um, you know, they still aren't allowing a team like Bioware to really hire a lot to finish up Dreadwolf and then have people starting Mass Effect early. It sounds like they're, you know, keeping that team the size it is, which is going to force them to basically stay in pre-production on Mass Effect until Dreadwolf is done. But even then, you need to give those people a little bit of a break, right? Because these people have been grinding on Dreadwolf for four or five years. And it's going to be tough to just immediately say, okay, you finished that big, giant, ridiculous project. Now jump onto this next project that's going to have even higher expectations. So um, I, I don't know if it's truly a change for the good, but it seems like it's a nudge. Um, it seems like it's a not a very uh, safe or permanent nudge, um, but it seems like it's a good move nonetheless. And, and I think that maybe 
hopefully all these single player games are very successful and EA is willing to bite their tongue and say, okay, you know, you guys want these obviously. So we'll see. Great questions. Like I said, if you have any of your own, join my discord. You can find the links uh, in the description on my uh, Twitter at Bond Diesel all over the place and uh, ask questions for next week. Show me articles that you want me to talk about or just bring up topics that you think of. I'm happy to talk about them and answer them. Jumping into some content updates, um, I do have that interview with creative director of the Division 2, Yannick. Um, it's live on my podcast, on all podcast channels. Um, it, it's basically listed as like an extra episode uh, under this, the EchoCast. Um, I am trying to think of a, of a quippy name because I'm going to do more interviews uh, to call this. So if you have any ideas, feel free to tell me. Um, I already have an interview lined up next week. Um, to speak to N7 The Legend. Um, he's a streamer and podcaster that is primarily focused on uh, Mass Effect. Also has other interests, of course, but we'll be talking about Mass Effect. I'm I'm going to drag him. I, I've been waiting for someone to talk to about uh, for, for Mass Effect for a long time, and we're going to speculate about the next game, and we're going to talk about what we like and dislike about the trilogy, and, and, and we're probably going to disagree on stuff, and that's okay, uh, but he's wrong. Um, but yeah, so I'll be doing that. And then I have kind of a tentative acceptance from former Bioware employee, uh, Mark Dara. Uh, I just kind of shot him a DM and said, Hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And he said, sure, we can set that up. I haven't heard from him since. So we'll see if that actually happens. But, um, I said something like towards the end of the month. And so it'd be really cool to have him on. Um, he's obviously a, uh, more than a wealth of knowledge on video game development and specifically Bioware, um, where he spent 20 plus years. So I'm um, hoping that goes through and we'll keep on shrugging from there. Um, I do plan on making a video about kind of where the where the division is right now, um, kind of how I feel about where they're going and how the game feels to me and, and how I think things are going and what the future is of the franchise based on, you know, you know, talking to Yannick and, um, the end of the season and how great it was. Uh, so that should be coming out here in the next week or two. Um, and I'll do, you know, mass effect videos or Starfield or whatever else as info comes. Like I said, I have a mass effect video. I think I'm going to record right after I finish this podcast. I'm talking about the hiring because, uh, at one point they were hiring like nine or 10 director jobs, and I think there's like one or two not filled, which means that probably good stuff. So you can check out the video for more of my thoughts on that. That said, let's wrap this baby up. Um, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And don't forget to leave a review if you are able. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to this channel, like thumbs up this video, and be sure to leave a comment down below for the algorithm. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. You can also check out the EchoCast, this podcast, and my own Bond Diesel merch uh, at the Streamlabs link that's down in the description below, or you can search for Bond Diesel Streamlabs and buy a mug or a t-shirt or a cool cap uh, if you're you know losing all your hair like I am and you need to cover it up. So there it is. That's all I have. So until next time.
I'm gonna go to the 